Hi everyone, welcome back to our daily gospel exegesis. I hope you're enjoying going through the gospels in this way where we look at the literal sense of the text. I'm so appreciative of your support and the great positive feedback I've been receiving from you. Remember, you can always get in touch with me via email, logicalbiblestudy at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message on the website as well. And all of that is in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you if you're benefiting from the podcast or if you have any questions as well. Today, we're looking at John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold through the gate, but gets in some other way, is a thief and a brigand. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the flock. The gatekeeper lets him in. The sheep hear his voice One by one, he calls his own sheep and leads them out. When he has brought out his flock, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow because they know his voice. They never follow a stranger but run away from him. They do not recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus told them this parable, but they failed to understand what he meant by telling it to them. So Jesus spoke to them again. I tell you most solemnly, I am the gate of the sheepfold. All others who have come are thieves and brigands. But the sheep took no notice of them. I am the gate. Anyone who enters through me will be safe. He will go freely in and out and be sure of finding pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. So the context of this passage is quite important. So in John chapter 9, Jesus has healed the man born blind. And if you know the story, after Jesus heals him, there's a big confrontation between the man and the Pharisees. And that's recorded in John chapter 9. That's read on the fourth Sunday of Lent. So you can go back and have a listen to the podcast for that one. That context turns out to be really important. What Jesus is about to say is a continuation of similar themes from John chapter 9 about religious authorities and their disciples. He's going to, in this uh, reading for today, he's going to use the metaphor of sheep and shepherds, which is a very common theme in the Old Testament. If you read through the Old Testament, particularly the prophets and the Psalms, often God is depicted as the shepherd and Israel, his faithful people, are his sheep. But then it's also used another way in the Old Testament where God's appointed leaders are the shepherds and the people are the sheep. So there's one particular reference which Jesus probably has in mind when he gives them this little parable. So Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 2 to 10, God says this, I will put a stop to their shepherding my flock so that these shepherds will no longer pasture them. So that's in reference to the people who were leading Israel at that time. He says, I'm no longer going to let those people shepherd over you. And Jesus in John chapter 9 before this has been talking about the Jewish leadership. And here in John chapter 10, he's continuing that same conversation. He's talking to the Jewish leadership, not his disciples. Let's keep that in mind. This particular passage, as we'll see, links a lot to other things in the Gospel of John and also the Old Testament a lot. So verse 1, I tell you most solemnly, so Jesus is about to say something that he wants his audience to take note of. 
And he's going to use an agricultural metaphor that they would have been quite familiar with. He try, Whenever Jesus does a parable, he tries to include elements from their real life at that time in first century Israel. This is one of the few parables in the Gospel of John. There aren't many, but there are a couple, and the purpose of them is to try and teach the people about Jesus' own identity. Luckily, Jesus interprets most of the parable for us in this case. Not all of the parable, but most of it. He says this, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold through the gate. So let's talk about what that meant in that context. So in that time period, sheep were kept in a sheepfold. It's kind of like a large pen and it was either out in the countryside or it could be attached to houses. And those sheepfolds or pens were designed to protect the flocks of sheep at night from thieves and predators. Jesus says, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold through the gate, but gets in some other way, is a thief and a brigand. So sheep were were valuable, and thieves would, it was pretty common, that robbers would try and steal the sheep in order to exploit them for their own personal benefit. The problem for the robber was, there's usually a gatekeeper guarding the gate. There's only one way into the pen, and that's through the gate. There's usually a gatekeeper there. And the gatekeeper is only going to let the shepherd in. He's only going to let in people that he recognizes. So if a a robber wants to get in, he's going to need to find another way in. And usually that meant climbing a wall. Verse 2, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the flock. The gatekeeper lets him in. So the one person who comes and goes through the gate is the shepherd. Verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. Now in that culture, sheep... Typically, they would only respond to the voice of their master, the one that they had gotten used to following instructions from. So the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. Now, don't um, at this stage, you don't want to try and jump to a spiritual application just yet. You want to just think about, and this is what you should always do with parables, think about what it means just in terms of the setting that Jesus is giving. How would the original readers, what would they have had in mind as they heard this parable? One by one, he calls his own sheep and leads them out. So when it was time for the sheep to move to a different pasture, the shepherd would make sure that every single sheep is looked after. He calls each one by name and he looks after them on the journey. He makes sure that they get to their destination because in his eyes, all of his sheep are valuable. And you can probably start to imagine the connection here with the gospel. Verse 4, when he has brought out his flock, he goes ahead of them. So when the shepherd is moving his sheep from one place to another, he would protect them by walking in front of them and he's looking ahead to try and find them better pastures. He goes before them. The words here that are used for walk ahead and follow, the particular Greek words that are used here characterize the relationship of teachers and disciples. So it was quite common to see these Greek words used to describe the way that teachers, religious teachers, led people and their disciples followed them. It might be deliberately, Jesus might be deliberately contrasting how the Pharisees drove out the man in chapter 9, whereas Jesus leads his people. So it's kind of like comparing good religious leadership with bad religious leadership. That's probably what's going on in the background here. The sheep follow because they know his voice. And that echoes other things that Jesus says in the Gospel of John. So in John chapter 8, verse 47, Jesus says this, Whoever belongs to God hears the words of God. And then in chapter 18, Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. 
So this idea of the sheep only listening to the voice of the shepherd has clear parallels with what Jesus says about himself and his own message. Verse 5, they never follow a stranger but run away from him. They do not recognize the voice of strangers. So apparently what happened in that culture is that if a stranger tried to take on the role of the shepherd and tried to lead the flock, the sheep just wouldn't listen to him and they would run away and they would scatter and they would be confused. So the sheep are single-minded in their devotion and attentiveness to their real shepherd. They can recognize their real shepherd and they're They have their eyes and their ears fixed on him. No other pretender knows them as well as the shepherd does. Verse 6. So this is the end of that little parable. And it says, Jesus told them this parable. Now, that's what our translation has it as. But the Greek word here is not the word for parable. It's actually a Greek word for figure of speech. But essentially, we can consider it to be a parable because it functions in a similar way to the parables in the synoptic gospels. Jesus told them this parable, but they failed to understand what he meant by telling it to them. So Jesus has been speaking this to the Jewish leadership, and he's hoped that those the Jewish leadership uh, would understand what he was saying, uh, but they didn't. So Jesus now has to go on and give them the interpretation. And we should be thankful that he does, because now we don't have to guess what the interpretation is, because Jesus gives it to us. And it's always important, In those places where Jesus interprets his own parable, that is the interpretation we should go with. If you ever hear a sermon or a lecture where someone takes a completely different interpretation, which completely ignores what Jesus says about his own parable, I don't think that's correct. Now, there could be more to it than what Jesus says, but certainly we have to start with Jesus' own interpretation of the parable because he's the one who gave the parable in the first place. Verse 7, I tell you most solemnly... So that tells us it's not just a side thing. He really wants his audience to understand the point that he's making with this parable. Now, before we look at the specifics, one thing Jesus doesn't tell us, but he clearly means implicitly, he doesn't tell us who the sheep are. And I think we need to answer that before we go any further. Who are the sheep in this parable? Jesus doesn't tell us exactly, but it appears to be something like this. The sheep are those who are truly seeking God and are open to the movements of his spirit. That's who the sheep are. So it's not people in general. It's not Jews in general. It's those who are truly seeking God and open to the movements of his spirit. So let's keep that in mind. Jesus says, I am the gate of the sheepfold. Or as other translations put it, I am the door of the sheep. Now, Jesus is going to explain what he means by that in a few verses time. But notice This is not where Jesus says, I am the shepherd. In today's reading, we don't hear Jesus say, I am the shepherd. He says that in a few verses time, and we'll look at that uh, when when we get to that in the lectionary in another podcast. But in today's reading, there is no, I am the shepherd. Instead, the focus is, I am the gate, or I am the door. This is the third of Jesus' seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And all of those I am statements, if you study the Gospel of John, have to do with trying to help people understand his identity. Then verse 8, he says this, All others who have come... Now, there's some controversy about this verse. Um, Other translations have it this way, All who came before me. Some ancient manuscripts have before me, some manuscripts don't. So, 
The same basic meaning appears to be the same, though, because it's past tense, all others who have come. So Jesus is speaking of those many teachers and preachers, the religious leaders, who the Jews have been exposed to before Jesus came along. Now, he's probably not thinking of people like Moses and the prophets, because those were good teachers and good leaders. So Jesus here, when he says, all who came before me, he's probably thinking of those in the immediate time period of his hearers. So in particular, he's thinking of the Pharisees, the Pharisees who claim to be good religious leaders. But he says about them, they are thieves and brigands. So Jesus says that these there's false, le- false leaders that they've been exposed to. And basically, those leaders have tried to lead the sheep astray. And they've tried to exploit them for their own personal benefit. That's what robbers do with sheep. Remember who the sheep are. The sheep are those who listen to God's message. So the thieves and brigands have tried to take the sheep, but it hasn't worked. Jesus says this. He says, the sheep took no notice of them. Not no one took no notice of them. Certainly some Jews were led astray by Pharisees and other not good religious leaders at the time, but the sheep took no notice of them. So those who were listening to God recognized that these false prophets were not from God. Verse 9, I am the gate. Anyone who enters through me will be safe. So this is the meaning of I am the gate. And more literally, it's not safe. The word here is not safe. It's actually saved. Anyone who enters through me will be saved. That means, and this is what Jesus is teaching here, people who listen to Jesus' instructions will receive eternal life. That's the the basic meaning there. Those who follow Jesus receive eternal life. He will go in freely, in and out, and be sure of finding pasture. So a person who continues to follow Jesus' instructions can live his life with confidence that Jesus will guide and protect him. That also is going to lead into what Jesus says about the good shepherd, and that's in verse 11 onwards. But notice what he says he's going to lead them to. He will go freely in and out and be sure of finding pasture. So the pasture here is probably eternal life. Those who go in via the gate, which is Jesus, are assured of eternal life. And that echoes what God does himself in Ezekiel 34. So after Israel's leaders fail the people... God says this in Ezekiel 34, verse 11. I myself will search for the sheep. In good pastures, I will pasture them. So notice that in Ezekiel, God promises to be the pastor of Israel. And here, Jesus basically says that he is going to be the shepherd. He's going to be the gate of the sheep as well. Notice the implication. He who goes, sorry, anyone who enters through me will be safe. So the implication here is that anyone who enters via Jesus is saved, and that probably implies that those who do not enter via Jesus are not saved. And that certainly is part of Catholic teaching. It needs to be unpacked unpacked a little bit, uh, but that's the basic idea. And that fits with what Jesus says in chapter 14 of John. He says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. So a lot of people have a problem with this claim that Christians make that Jesus is the only way to God, but it's basically what Jesus says about himself. Verse 10, the final verse, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. So the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So in that society, the thieves of sheep, they don't care about the sheep. 
they're just they want the sheep for themselves so they can sell them or kill them or use it for meat. What's the reference here? Who's the thief in the parable then? There's different ways of looking at it. Um, up till now, it's certainly been referring to the religious leaders. Uh, perhaps at this point, he might be talking about Satan. Uh, because we know that Satan wants to take people out of the kingdom of God and he doesn't actually care about people. But it does still fit to say that this is referring to the religious leaders who don't really care about the people and their welfare. They just want people to follow them. There's a question about, because in a few verses time, Jesus is going to introduce a wolf into the story, a wolf who tries to steal the sheep. And perhaps the thief and the wolf are the same, but that's debated as well. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. So that's complete contrast to the thief. The thief comes to kill and destroy. Jesus has come so that the sheep may have life and have it to the full. So the idea here is just as for sheep going through the sheep gate, that makes sure that they always have access to good green pasture. Jesus has come so that the sheep, his people, those who are listening to God, have access to eternal life. And he uses the phrase, have it to the full, which carries this idea of eternal life, which flows over even into this life. Now, the same Greek words are used in the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. So the Greek words there for perish and life are in fact the same Greek words that Jesus uses here. The thief comes to destroy and to make things perish, whereas Jesus comes to give life. It's the same words. So if we were to summarize, that's not the end of the parable. Jesus goes on, but that's the end of the lectionary reading for today. This is what Jesus has said so far. When the disciple hears the shepherd's voice, the disciple responds with attentiveness and obedience. This response arises from the personal commitment and relationship to Jesus, who first knew and called each one of the sheep. Jesus calls his disciples to follow him to the good pasture of eternal life, which he shares with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing that the parable doesn't identify, and you think it probably would have by now, it doesn't actually tell us what the gatekeeper represents. We know what the gate represents and we know what the sheep represents, but we don't know what the gatekeeper represents. Remember that the shepherd could only come through after given approval by the gatekeeper. So if Jesus is the shepherd... Who's the gatekeeper? Now, in all likelihood, we shouldn't overread this. It probably means, because Jesus hasn't given us a meaning for it, it probably means it's just a background of the parable and it doesn't refer to anything in particular. So we shouldn't overanalyze it because Jesus hasn't used it as part of his interpretation here. But if we were to give it an interpretation, we could plausibly say that the gatekeeper is the father. So the gatekeeper is the one who gives the shepherd access to the sheep and if you read the Gospel of John, a common theme is that the Father gives the disciples to Jesus. So perhaps the Father is the gatekeeper. That would certainly fit. But we don't know whether Jesus had that meaning in mind. Now, as I said, there is more to this speech. From verse 11 onwards, Jesus keeps developing this parable further. He intensifies things and he actually adds some more elements into the parable. From verse 11 onwards, he tells us who the shepherd is, which he hasn't done so far. And he also introduces hirelings and wolves. So there's more characters that come in. 
And he also introduces a second sheepfold into the story. So the parable gets more complicated. The second half of this parable can be heard It's um, at different times in the liturgical year. So it's heard once on Sundays, and that's on the fourth Sunday of Easter in year B. And also on weekdays, you can hear this second half of the parable on the Monday of the fourth week of Easter in year A. So once in year B on a Sunday and once in year A on a Monday. And you can certainly scroll through uh, the past podcast episodes to find that if you'd like to listen to it. So let's finish by taking a look at where the catechism includes this passage or interprets this passage for us. There's two short places. Paragraph 754 takes the sheepfold to be a symbol representing the church. And that certainly fits. So paragraph 754 says, The church is accordingly a sheepfold, the sole and necessary gateway to which is Christ. It is also the flock of which God himself foretold that he would be the shepherd, and whose sheep, even though governed by human shepherds, are unfailingly nourished and led by Christ himself, the good shepherd and prince of shepherds, who gave his life for the sheep. So that paragraph brings together lots of things from John chapter 11. It talks about how Jesus is both the shepherd and the gate and the church uh, considered legitimately as the people of God does sort of fit here as a symbol if we look at it as the sheepfold. Paragraph 2158 is a very brief paragraph and it's talking about how every Christian is given a special name by God. So that paragraph says God calls each one by name. Everyone's name is sacred. The name is the icon of the person. It demands respect as a sign of the dignity of the one who bears it. So that's a nice little paragraph to finish on for today. Thank you for listening. If you've learned something new, please continue to share this. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and consider becoming a supporter of the ministry as well. And there's more information about all of that in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in. Please do so again tomorrow.